Money Miners, 23rd of May, Tuesday, and we are mixing it up today and not talking about St. Barbara Genesis or Silver Lake because there has been no further developments. Uh, what are the listeners and ourselves going to do with this variation in content, Travis Ricciardo? Probably talk about something mining related, Maddie. Yeah, well, and as we said, JD is on annual leave. Uh, who did you... Did you approve that bloody form? How did he get that so <laughs> so early in the bloody piece? But uh, he's he's on annual leave, so there is a more of a chance of more mining stuff getting talked because I won't try and uh, compete with JD on financial knowledge. So we're today we're getting into <laughs> we the, will go deep. We are going a bit deep, pardon the pun, because we are going back underground at. Capricorn Copper. So 29 medals have put their updated guidance out, and this is following from the heavy rainfall They pulled their guidance a while ago, didn't they? So they pulled guidance not that long ago. JD JD covered that one, and now they've they've put this revised guidance out. Yeah, and and I guess the the confirmation of the plan going forward. So, look, they had, for context, they had heavy heavy rainfall in North Queensland between 6th and 10th of March, and it just – and it's – and it's inundated their sublevel cave and damaged their water facility. So, look, overall, just a tragedy for workers, shareholders, everything, something like this. Mm. Look, we can probably go into jurisdictions, Trav, of uh, jurisdictional risk even just in a good country like Australia, but when you're exposed to uh, cyclones, mm. things like this can happen. So it is a risk to consider. Now, look, they – so Esperanza South, so that's their sublevel cave. So that's – that is – Contains 500 megalitres of of water at the moment, and what's a, me- a megalitre? Is that like a the old swimming pools? Yeah, I don't is that know. A megalitre? Uh, I remember being told that that the uh, the big giant swimming pool um, at, at, it was the uh, at the oasis, which is the 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 country town swimming pool, was a megalitre. Well, if we go. Here we go. How many megalitres in an Olympic swimming pool? Two and a half megalitres. Oh, there you go. In an Olympic swimming yeah, pool. So gotcha. That's um, a lot of bloody. What's that? Jeez, put myself on the spot there. 200, 200 Olympic swimming pools of of water. So, and we'll go into how some assumptions on how long it'll take to pump that out. Now, the thing about Esperanza South is that it's a sublevel cave. So. That means there's there's a surface substance on the top, so like sublevel cave is when it's not it's not backfilled. The rock just fails and propagates the way down, but you create a sinkhole on the surface. So you effectively provide another link between the underground mine and the surface for water to get in. Normally, water can only get through your, your portals and your, your ventilation shafts if they're not flood protected, but this big surface substance provides another funnel for water to get in. So you know you know how Ernest Henry was also impacted by the flooding. Mm. So that's a sublevel cave as well. So that extra entry point adds to the issue of trying to control water in these um, these heavy events. And uh, the situation there is that the the water treatment facility. Has also been a complete loss. They've assumed it's a complete loss. I think it's still underwater, along with the workshop. Now, what's, what's that? What's that water treatment facility treating the water for? 
Okay, so because it's a it's a copper mine, so yep. it's a sul- it's a sulfide ore body. Yep. So that all the water that is underground that comes into contact with these sulfide rocks contaminates the water. So gotcha. you get you get hydrogen hydrogen sulfide in the water, and then you can't discharge that to the environment. Gotcha. So there's quite like a, a big it's, environmental it's issue. Toxic. Yeah, yeah it's toxic. Yeah. So I can. Depending on the level of concentration, you can you'll be killing killing wildlife. You'll be and yeah. the fact that it's a, it needs to be treated to remove the sulfides before you can actually yeah. discharge it. And I think it also needs to be pretty sure it would need to be treated to reuse it underground as well. Yeah, can't confirm that, but yeah. the um, so that'd be a top priority is to have a solution for that ASAP, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So because and the they're essentially snookered with. The whole thing. So there's a couple of things to go through. So one one is the water because so you've got all that water underground. The surface water storage now using like, like looks like they're using pits, their tailings facility. Every, everything's full up there, or most close to full. So the only way to get rid of that is either to evaporate it, which they've said they've got extra evaporation technology in. So that's like literally spraying water into the air in a fine mist and increasing the evaporation rate. But then you've all the, then you can discharge it to the environment. But the permit, which I've been told, the permit for Capricorn Copper in North Queensland, you can only discharge in the wet season. So if it's not in wet season, you discharge it, can be harmed to the environment because I would assume you've got a higher chance of the concentration of sulphides being high. But if it's wet season, it would, be, it would be more diluted. Yeah. So it says they are currently seeking uh, environmental regulatory approval uh, to release some of that water Um depending on the flow rate and the flow, the discharge location. But it says release of significant volumes are likely constrained to the wet season between November and April. Mm. So until they can free up room on the surface to store water, they cannot pump out the water from that Esperanza South. So that water, that 500 megalitres has to stay there until they can... One, get the room on the surface to store it mm. and then two, get the treatment capability to treat it before discharging in, into the environment or recycling it. But they are, by the sounds there, I've also been told they're pouring, essentially pouring lime into the current water storage facilities because they don't have the treatment facilities so they're pouring lime in to uh, treat it in situ. Within, within this... Where Within the these, like these, I think it's. It seems like it's in one pit. There's some yeah. in the, um, like these settling ponds. Yeah. So, so adding adding the lime is is kind of what would ha- ordinarily happen in the treatment plant. Well, but geez, I'm getting, in, not I'm in getting the plant. into. I should have called some water science because <laughs> I've gone deep into water today. But I'm that, sure um, we'll that, get some that, that would neutralise the sulphides gotcha. in yeah. the water, wow. so effectively yeah. make it not as contaminated so you'd need to test it there'd be a lot of testing that'd have to go on to make sure if they do get approval to discharge that small volume yeah it would be within the safe limits how how important is esperanza south in the context of capricorn well that is their like their flagship the the sub-level cave so that is the one of their major ore sources so they've essentially yeah cut it off yeah um now that 
500 megalitres, if you're going to put that in a pumping capacity. So one, you've, first thing you've got to do, you've got to pump it out to get back in there. So to get access to the underground mine. So 500 megalitres. Now, assuming, so for the underground mining buffs out there, if you've got two 90-kilowatt pumps, now they're pretty much the biggest bloody submersible pumps you could probably chuck at the de- bottom of a decline Man, on, I feel like this on is a, pontoons. This is a, a maths question we got coming up. You've got to like, paint a scenario. Yeah, yeah. so well, two 90-kilowatt pumps. So if you had two of them down there, so that's some big infrastructure to get down and maintain. Now, they will pump out about 50 litres a second. One website said 55, so let's work on 50. Now, that'll give you, say, 100 litres a second, say at 90% utilisation. That 500 megalitres, if you had those pumps running 90% of the time, will take 64 days to pump that mine out. So over two months just to pump the water out. Yeah. Okay, so now that's pending. You've got the storage availability on the surface. Uh, Now, once you do pump it out... You've got all the all the electrical infrastructure that will need replacing. So your electrical boxes, your substations, your fans, mm. they really do not appreciate being underwater yeah. any, as any electrical component done. And then yeah. put, there's possibly equipment down there as well that might need would need replacing and or getting removed. So pending pending how quick they got all the equipment out of the hole before the flooding. Is there any structural? Issues? Well, that's when the ground the ground support is the issue there. Yeah. So you've got the ground support is like, you know, galvanized. I'm not sure of the ground support structure, but if there is galvanized mesh and galvanized bolts, even though they're galvanized, it's a surface coating, but you leave them underwater or in contact with water mm. for a long time, there's a Frozen. chance they can start significantly corroding. So yeah. and when they corrode, the integrity of all of it yeah. is Damage, so it's not. So you, you just might need some reinforcement into existing. Well, that's what they call rehab. So right. they'll, they'll, they'll a jumbo will go in and literally probably rip it all off if it's buggered and yeah. re-support it. Right, which is time, it's money, and until that is re-supported, if it's a whole area is being damaged, until you re-support that, you can't walk past it and yeah. access everywhere else. So it's like it's a staged approach and which will be a staged a staged pumping approach as well. So now because this is a sulfide ore body, as we discussed, there's the water treatment issues, which is why they're in this bit of a snooker position. But then you've also got the issue with the oxidization of the sulfide ore in the cave. So because it's a sublevel cave, that Wherever that water level is, underground, everything, all the all of the cave below that will be submerged in water. So when you put sulfide ore bodies, blasted rock comes into contact with water, it oxidizes. So what that means is the the all the individual blasted rocks start hmm. welding back together. This oxidization oh, wow. of the sulfides binds them all back together and into a even though it's been blasted, it sort of becomes one unit again. And like you can go bloody, you know, hit it with a hammer and try and break it up, or you yeah. hit it with a bogger bucket, like high powered equipment, but it it it's not a fluffed up piece of rock that you can just bog easily so there's the issue of getting back into the draw points is will the draw points be all oxidized then like you might need to re-blast it so now it's very um there's not much science behind this to re-blast something like that you literally fill big bags up with explosives and poke bloody pipes in and fill it up and just 
blow the living shit out of it <laughs> and hope for the best that it re breaks it, re fluffs it up. But it's not like a when you're dealing with that sort of stuff, it's not um it's not a guaranteed yeah. success rate. So that's that's just to get the ore flowing again. Well, so well, how much? How many of these you know rocks are we sort of talking about? Like, what is well, the whole like? bloody thing? Like right. t- tons and tons. I'm not sure of their what tons and what stocks there are. So yeah, on um, but it's, but it's but it's a lot. Yeah, so yeah. I'll put I'll put a thing up on YouTube picture. Here's what a sub level cave looks like. So that's so see these are your draw points. The where are. Uh, I'm pointing to you, but you mightn't see it. But the, where those low, yellow loaders are, they're they're a draw point, and those that big thing of broken rock is the sublevel cave. So the the fine rocks there that it's bogging out, those little marble looking things, uh, that's that's the ore. Yeah, so that's been. But you're, ta- you're talking about the big. The, the issues there is actually the big rocks. Well, what? But what happens is those big rocks. That's yeah. that's the waste. So that's the waste yep. that's like from the the mine failing above, which is planned to do. That fails. It fills up that void and it just propagates down and then propagate all the way up to the surface. That's when you get that sinkhole because everything starts failing and just yeah. moving down. Yeah. Then you have a sinkhole on the surface. So it's not not it not determined whether that waste rock contains sulfides which would cause that to oxidise. But the front section of that cave front, like say the front, you know, 10 to 20, 10% or so will be full of blasted ore and they sort of bog it out and it sort of propagates down. You then keep firing it and making that cave. So that blasted ore at the front of that cave will be, that is underwater, will be subject to oxidisation. And mm. forget, remember, all the waters run through that cave to get to the bottom. So the fact that once you start bogging it, there may be issues of getting that cave to propagate again, to flow, because if it doesn't flow, if that hang, they call it hanging up, so if that oxidised material stays there and doesn't fall under it gravity... Just ca- it gets caught is that what you mean? Well, like, it just it holds there like when it doesn't it doesn't flow like yeah. if you're pouring a bit of sand out yeah. of a um, of a, a cup or something and say say the but there's a big chunk stuck at the yeah. bottom and you're hitting it and you're hitting it you're shaking it and then it finally the whole thing lets go. If you picture that on this scale, mm. if uh, that cave let go, then all that air below it has to go somewhere, and that's what causes air blasts underground. So if there's a big hang up and a void, and then it all lets go at once, all that air that just that then gets pushed out any orifice it can find, right. and that air just will is it, damage. Is it, is it dangerous or is it? Yeah, there was a North Parks historically, so that was a block cave. So it's it was it's a bit different to a sub level cave. But North Parks had an air blast and I think it killed three people. Oh, wow. um, so air blasts and propagation of caves and voids like that are a significant thing to monitor. So yeah. block level cave, block caves are a bit different because that caves from uh, – that relies on the whole thing caving, whereas sub-level caves are blasted as you go and then it starts caving. So oh. – um, but, yeah, that's a – it's a – when they talk about – you know, issues with restarting the cave, that's the sort of things that will be um, – need to be monitored. So, yeah, so yeah that, that's the, that's the impact that water can have on a, a sulphide oil body, especially sub-level caves. So the, there's a lot of a lot of stages that of that process. So when I think they said they're going to look into restart got March next year to get back into – Esperanza South, like, and that's that would be the pumping, the rehab and, and everything because they can't – they've got to 
wait for the wet season to discharge the bulk amounts of water to start pumping it out to then re-establish it and that's where that large uh, recovery cost that you can see in today's announcement the was it 60 to 75 million dollars so yeah that's the uh now and i'm sure you'll go into the effect that that's going to have on 29 medals as an organization um that amount of capital i think it's all today if you added up all the headlines the higher ends of those mm. updated guidances it was about 200 million dollars for costs for this yeah. with recovery capital and operating costs just for for one mine to produce seven to nine thousand tons of copper yeah mate it, it, it is interesting when you when, when you look at the finance piece and i think like there's a couple of things to factor in like, like this is a pretty um horrific thing to happen right to to buddy to your mind i mean I, I can't imagine um yeah like like the effect of it is bloody damn awful you don't expect it it's a it's a weather event right you, you're not planning for this sort of thing to happen um yeah but the, the the impact is not just on the costs and the capital it's also on the foregone revenue because you, you're not producing in that period of time as well so there's a lot of a lot of things going on there they, they did come out with their updated guidance just for for 2023 and we'll flag that one up in the video for everyone but if you just sort of yeah like add up add up all the ranges on both the costs and the capital side of things including um including some recovery costs that they they throw in there too you sort of and then you average out the midpoint of the range you get about 740 million bucks there um in just the cost and capital and i think like I think we should sort of keep in mind those costs in um, in the context of what their what their balance sheet is at the moment too. So that's over the whole. That's uh, that that includes Golden Grove and everything as well. Yeah, that's just for the not group. Capricorn, yeah, by itself. Exactly. Yeah, that's for, that's for the group. Um, now that they've got the revised Capricorn guidance out there. So, like taking a look at the balance sheet, right at the end of the March quarter, the company had. Uh, 163 million bucks in cash and outstanding debt of US 132 million dollars. So if you if you look at the the debt right that 100 that US 100, 132 million outstanding, their repayment schedule on that is to pay down six million US of that every quarter at the moment. Um, and keep in mind there's interest payable on whatever's outstanding there too. Um, in 2022 that interest rate was about 5.4%. Um, interest rates have gone up a fair bit, you know, since since then. So I'm sort of expecting about north of 8% um, as, as actual interest rates on on the debt in 2023. So, you know, if you if you plug in those numbers on what the repayment and the on the projected interest expense is from 31 March through to um, the end of December, you can make the case that there's about you know, Aussie dollars, $45 million of cash outflow to service the debt in both interest and repayments. Well, so, that's just, just the interest component. And repayments because it's US okay, 6 million, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I, like there's, yeah, there's just a, a, bit of, a bit of cash is going to be required for the, for the debt service piece there. Um, and the other, the other thing to, that, that we can see in the announcement today is that they do – um, make the point of saying that they intend to draw down on their US $40 million working capital facility. So, you know, they're, they're obviously expecting, um, you know, a requirement to, to utilise additional funds to sort of get through a, a stretched period. And then there's that US $40 million working capital facility 
um, that they expect to utilize for that exact purpose. But you can, you can see how a drawn out restart here um, can put some pressure on 29 metals balance sheet. And if you look at the, the percentage of short interest um, on, on 29 metals before today, it was 4.81% of the stock was actually short. It's quite a high number. So you can see that there was probably an expectation in the market there that a potential funding gap could emerge and maybe some of, maybe some of those worries have, um, have rolled off because you saw the share price actually go up today. And so, you know, potentially some people might be relieved that there is some guidance and a plan ahead. Um, They've actually uh, just, uh, just lucky I checked it because they were up, God, they were up like up at the start of trade and like looking like at this announcement. You tell me, yeah. yeah, now, but now they are, as we speak, down 4%. Wow. So that's a um, wow. pretty, you, pretty big intraday yeah. movement there. So I'll just, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, so they were, they were up to a dollar. Dollar fifteen at the start of trade, so that a yeah. climb, and then they have plateaued all the way down to a dollar one. Wow, that that is really fascinating. Wow, so, you do because it looked like based on that, and look, a lot of this information was most likely priced priced in um, already yeah. by the models yeah. and everything that the yeah. brokers have put out. Um, but I guess it's more confirmed now. And then, look, we did. I don't know if you mentioned already. There is that. There is a insurance claim. So mm -hmm. potentially we don't know the number. Yeah. Their trusted hot copper uh, person said 37 to 44 <laughs> million from pending from insurance. So um, there is a portion of that and I assume that would only – that covers part of the recovery for Esperanza South. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're definitely, definitely under, a lot of, under a lot of pressure. Um, look, and I think – because I think Capricorn Copper, before the – before this – unfortunate rainfall event but it's not wasn't classed as a, a world-class asset like i think it was a difficult asset to begin with it's one of those north queensland mines that's deep and hot and so so is golden grove they're de they're difficult assets but then you throw this on top of it and it mm. just really amplifies any sort of difficulties there are with these so i think that's a really good point maddie is um like, like as an, an investor I think one part of the risk equation is actually trying to to figure out, you know, how resilient could my investment be to a freak event or a black swan event, and um, these these yeah real horrible environmental um, occurrences are sort of happening more and more often it seems, um, and the, the assets which are high cost um, or single sing, you know single or only two two asset sort of producers they're a bit less. Um, prepared to, to really wear this, the, the financial storm that can, can happen if one of those, you know, assets is, um, is hit pretty hard by one of these freak instances. And I, like you mentioned, one strategy can be um, like, like evaluating the geographical risk in terms of how likely are mines in certain areas to be exposed to these mm. weather instances. Um, you know, and like, you know, if you're, if you're in the gold fields, there's a lot less likely you're going to get a flood there. You might get an earthquake, but you won't get a, yeah. get a flood there. And, and uh, you know that, around that wet season every year, there's always going to be, and whether that's accounted for in their schedule, there's always going to be a risk to guidance during these rainfall. There's always, there's cyclones every year. So your northern, your, your cyclonic areas there, this is obviously the very, very severe version, but there's always that bit of a risk of, how, how many times have you seen in, um, you know, 
guidance updates or quarterlies, or we've achieved just below guidance due to weather, wet weather, or like weather is a big factor totally. in mine sites yep. functioning. So, yeah, and, yeah. It, and you see it very commonly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is a genuine, like, yeah, mine is out of service for a long time, right? But, but most of the time, I think um, management teams will often, um, some, some management teams will, will factor in, um, bad, you know, like a, like a few weeks of bad weather and some management teams won't. Um, and sometimes that results in the difference of, you know, meeting or exceeding or falling below guidance too. Yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is, um, I, I, I hope they, I hope they can really, you know, sort things out there and be producing copper again. And hopefully there's a favorable, um, copper environment to be producing them and they can do that too. I think with evolution, obviously you got a better, got the better end of the straw in terms of, I guess, not all the holes, holes in the cheese lining up because, you know, they're, they're due to start back to normal production rates by the end of the June quarter for Ernest Henry. So obviously, but you throw in the water treatment side here and the fact that uh, they can't discharge it because of the sulphide side of things at Capricorn Copper, it's hence put them in this uh, snookered position, which is very unfortunate for shareholders. Mm. So Yeah. The last point I'll make, Matt, is just on sort of trade trading comparisons um and i'm, I'm going to look at ev to fy25 ebitda i've gone all the way out to fy25 to hopefully account for some resumption of production um because i think that's when they said that's not the, the, they won't get anticipated predicted full production back to that 1.6 i think was mm. capricorn copper wasn't until 2025 yeah yeah so if you look at just their ev to fy25 consensus ebitda they trade about 1.8 times compare that to sandfire on about 4.4 times so there's clearly a big difference there and i think probably what you're seeing in that differential there is um relating to the risk in the balance sheet that we touched on yeah and so are they looking the position they're in is it looking like they're going to be forced to raise money at some point to cover this or or another option of funding no, I, I think maybe like it's, it's kind of, yeah, we'd be hypothesizing a bit there, but um, yeah, like I, 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 they, they, their balance sheet, you know, could be under some stress and they might need other sources of funding. And I think when you see the high short interest um, percentage there, there's clearly some portion of the market that is anticipating a funding gap. And I suppose this sort of, these unfortunate situations and balance sheet pressure then open their assets up to people who were sniffing around as well. So, and they're like, as we've mentioned in the whole Silver Lake side of things, uh, looking for acquisitions in distressed situations, um, St. Barbara being one. And look, pending what happens with 29 Metals balance sheet, they could be in the same position. So, um, right, recap of other news, Trav. What's going on? Musgrave, you're you you've got a you you got a good little attachment to Musgrave, haven't you? You like it, don't you? Mate, the economics are good. Like I don't I don't have any shares in it or anything, but I think it's um one that'll be on the corporate radars of a lot of a lot of companies. So yeah, I'm keeping an eye on that one. So what's happening there? So they've got a potential early mining option at their Q Gold project. Yeah, they did put out some results today. It's of this sort of um open pit some of it's infill some of it's outside the existing resource but there's some plans to potentially have an early mining um in that nearby pit which could you know make some of the the water um treatment options a bit more favorable if they did that and there's definitely a lot of potential m&a stuff coming up there because due to the large amount of mills in the region near there who are musgrave going to do the deal with to mill it or are mm. they going to build it themselves so you know i think you'd be uh 
hard to think they're going to build a mill themselves with all the surrounding ones. So wait mm. and see. BlackRock Mining, they've signed a, an MOU with Offtake Partner POSCO for 6,000 tonne per annum of high quality, high quality large natural flake graphite concentrate from – pronounce that, Trav. Do you know how to pronounce that? POSCO. Uh, Maheng. Ah. Oh. Maheng? Mahenge. Mahangi. Mahangi. Oh, yeah, that, that looks better. Uh, this uh, adding to their existing offtake for all final fines production. Now, Centaurus, they have produced uh, four nines battery-grade nickel sulfate at their Jaguar project in Brazil via their pilot plant. Now, FYI, four nines means it is 99.99% pure. So that means it can only contain, contain a maximum of 100 milligrams of impurities per kilo of nickel sulfate. Nickel sulfate hexahydrate. So I went on a bit of chemistry. Hexahydrate. There. Yeah, I well, think that's right. That's the only Google I could find. It, it looked pretty. It looked pretty right to me. Uh, Westgold. They've released assay, assays from some deep, deep drill holes at their Great Fingal Deeps mine at Q. So that's near Big Bell. So these intersections, all from surface, are between a thousand and sixteen hundred meters below. So some ultra long drill holes showing some. Uh, mineralisation down deep of below the uh, existing workings there. So uh, that's about all. That JD would be happy with the crispness of that, I think, Trav. Oh, no, nah, he'll look at this. He'll be like, 30 uh, minutes on one company? What are you guys doing? Is there – if there's a two in front of it, he's not happy. <laughs> we did rip a 19 for him the other week. JD, hope you've been safe over there. It's easy to talk um, poorly of JD when he's not here, you know, oh. to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'd say it to him while he's here too. It's all good. <laughs> right up. Cheers, Money Miners. And uh, what do we got tomorrow, Trav? Oh, no, I better not. Just in case it gets cancelled, mm. I better not preempt it. I think we've got a good interview lined up. I think, yeah, the Money Miners will um, will like the content. Some more pending, pending success of it, but I can't see why it won't. We've got another <laughs> fundy coming on, and the Money Miners love the fundies. They do. No, Very sure. good. Hooteroo, everyone. Hooteroo. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.